Well, they finally did it. Jeff Bezos and Amazon picked their second headquarters. But the big surprise is, it wasn't just one place, and it really wasn't two places. Amazon selected New York City and the Washington, D.C., Virginia area as their primary second headquarter locations. But they also selected Nashville as a logistics hub. Longtime listeners to SourceCast know that I was very excited about the potential for HQ2 to come to Philadelphia. I cover all that in SourceCast episode 87. But I also spent some time addressing the potential issues that a city would face should they actually win. SourceCast episode 92. So this week we're going to cover how these cities won, the reasons why they were selected, and some of the issues they faced because of the selection process. While I am sad that Philadelphia did not win, because I really wanted to see Philadelphia have two major tech companies, the other being Comcast, but I want to make it clear that this isn't sour grapes. But we are going to cover some of the backlash that Amazon is facing because of the selection process. So once again, this week is all about Amazon. I'm Joey Lombardi, and this is SourceCast episode 135. Before we even get into the details, however you feel about what Amazon did in this entire selection process, you have to step back and marvel at the way they orchestrated this request for proposal, this RFP, and the sheer amount of national media coverage that this generated. It is unprecedented. You can absolutely hate everything about this deal, but you have to step back and appreciate and respect what Bezos and Amazon did. But with that being said, there was a ton of backlash about the entire selection process and about all of the incentives that Amazon has accumulated to bring these facilities to these three cities. Let's start with an article from Wired.com by Luis Matsakis, titled Amazon's HQ2 Hunger Games Are Over and Jeff Bezos Won. The major point that the Wired article makes is that not only did Amazon get all of these incentives, but they also acquired a ton of information about dozens if not hundreds of cities across the United States. And I quote, Amazon now has data from hundreds of metropolitan areas across North America. It can use that information about transit systems, talent pools, and real estimate availability, among other things, to inform future expansions and strategic decisions. The article points out that they do have aspirations to grow out brick-and-mortar stores, so all of this information could feed into that. So we don't single Amazon out. The Wired article does point out that Google did a very similar thing in 2010 when they started their Google Fiber project. So not only does Amazon now have logistics city information, but they also know what cities are willing to give up from a tax incentive perspective when they want to expand as well. I'll be blunt. People are pissed. Amazon is a multi-billion dollar company. Very close to a trillion dollar company, in fact. Jeff Bezos, as Saturday Night Live recently pointed out, is a hundred times richer than President Donald Trump. People are very upset that this company that is so resource wealthy is receiving tax incentives that could have been dedicated towards any other social service or any other project. There's a lot of pushback about the potential transformation of a target city and what this influx of infrastructure and more jobs is going to do to already busy metropolitan areas. Many people cited Seattle, where Amazon currently employs about 45,000 people. Housing costs are rising far faster than any other large city. Amazon is very involved in local politics, both to the benefit and detriment of local people. There was a huge issue with a homeless tax that the city was trying to introduce. Amazon squashed it. So in the long run, will this HQ2 stunt come back to haunt Amazon? TheVerge.com's Casey Newton thinks that it's a possibility. 
People are upset about the subsidies. Politicians are concerned about the influx of technical workers and how it could potentially impact equality for other workers in the area. Let's step back for a second. These subsidies, this is nothing new. To quote the Verge article, Every year, American cities and states spend up to $90 billion in tax breaks and cash grants to urge corporations to move to their states or to stay in the states. This $90 billion, it's more than the federal government spends on housing, education, or infrastructure. And these deals, these subsidies, they take resources away from everything local governments would otherwise pay for, such as schools, roads, police, and prisons. Boeing, Nike, Intel, Tesla, Nissan, Ford, and General Motors have all received subsidy packages worth more than a billion dollars. So this is not a new page in the playbook. This is well-worn territory. New Jersey and Maryland both offered $7 billion in tax incentives to Amazon to bring the company to those states. And while I do think that the anger will blow over for Amazon, there are some examples of state and city-provided subsidies that are blowing up in politicians' faces. The state of Wisconsin made a deal with Foxconn that would see the creation of a 21 million square foot manufacturing campus. Foxconn was going to invest $10 billion in the state and hire as many as 13,000 workers. But as we discussed in previous podcasts, creating a manufacturing plant without all of the surrounding infrastructure is very difficult and potentially problematic. The reason why China is so successful at producing gadgets and other items is because there is a deep bench of infrastructure that supports the manufacturing of things. Wisconsin does not have that infrastructure, so Foxconn has to build everything up around it to produce the items that were intended to be produced in the factory. And Foxconn is realizing that they may have to rely more on automation, which reduces the amount of jobs that were created. The other issue with Wisconsin is that the subsidies provided, which were initially totaled at $4.5 billion, seems to be growing. And while I'm not going to blame Foxconn and this decision to bring this plant to Wisconsin, I do believe that it had something to do with Scott Walker losing to Tony Evers. So there are real consequences to the decisions that are being made for these subsidies, and it could cost certain politicians their careers. And by the way, if these things go south for the cities and governments, these people should lose their jobs. They should be held accountable. So we're clear. What are the subsidies that Amazon is receiving in each of the three states that they are planning to expand to? From New York State, $1.525 billion in incentives. This includes a $1.2 billion refundable tax credit from the state's Excelsior program over 10 years, but they have to hit a target of creating 25,000 jobs that pay an average of $150,000. They are also receiving $325 million from Empire State Development based on how much space Amazon takes over the next decade. From New York City, Amazon said it would apply for a New York City subsidy program that would provide it a property tax abatement for up to 25 years. The company is also seeking incentives under a city program that could provide $3,000 in tax credit per eligible employee over 12 years, which could be a $900 million benefit if all 25,000 workers were eligible. Amazon may be eligible for additional tax credits as well. And now moving on to their incentives from Virginia. Amazon is receiving a $550 million cash grant over 12 years based on Amazon creating 25,000 jobs there and again with an average wage of $150,000. Amazon may also be eligible for a $200 million tax rebate if they create future jobs. From the city of Arlington, the company is receiving $23 million in cash over 15 years based on the growth of the county hotel tax. And in Nashville, where Amazon is projecting to bring 5,000 new jobs, the state of Tennessee is providing $65 million in a cash grant based on the company creating those 5,000 jobs over seven years and $21.7 million in state credits 
based on job creation. The city of Nashville will pay a $15 million cash payment based on job creation. And after hearing all of that, TechCrunch.com's Danny Crichton says that Amazon did exactly what it should have done with its HQ2 process. Crichton says that Amazon opened up their selection process, and I quote, it allowed cities to apply and provide information on why they might be the best location for its new headquarters. Maybe the company ignored all of the applications. Maybe it only ran the process to collect data. Maybe it just wanted the publicity. Maybe all of the above and more. Regardless, it allowed input into a decision it has complete and exclusive control over. Crichton goes on to defend the cities for offering these abatements and grants and subsidies. Crichton says that these cities have to compete for jobs every day, and they need eligible, talented workers to be moving into these cities to make them viable for small business owners. Crichton makes a point that Amazon's process hopefully woke up a number of slumbering city governments, that their hometowns are not as great as they think that they are, and they have to change things to attract business. The most important point that Danny Crichton makes in this article is about scale and people's reactions to these incentives. And I quote, I think there's a massive scale problem in people's analysis of the incentives. Amazon's incentive package for New York comes out to $1.5 billion. As a cost comparison, the East Side Access Rail Project costs $3.5 billion a mile. New York's incentive package is about 2,300 feet of rail, or roughly the distance between 2nd and 6th Avenue. These tech jobs are bringing new wealth to cities, and obviously there are huge challenges with housing prices and affordability, but what a luxurious problem to have. That quote is a lovely segue into an article from the Wall Street Journal by Eric Marath and Lauren Weber, and it covers Amazon and Google's impending fight for tech talent in New York City. Before I get into quoting the article, allow me to provide some background on Google. The company announced, in the midst of all of this Amazon hoopla, that they plan on significantly increasing their employee footprint in New York City. So to that point, and I quote, Amazon will bring more than 25,000 jobs to New York City and another 25,000 to Northern Virginia. Google, meanwhile, plans to double its workforce in New York City to more than 14,000 workers over the next 10 years. Because of this, the competition for talent will be stiff. However, the companies do have distinct requirements that separate them. For example, the companies favor different coding languages and technical approaches for software projects. But it does add some validity to some of the concerns of New Yorkers that are living in the city right now. You have 25,000 new Amazon employees coming in, another 7 to 10,000 Google employees coming into the city, and the combination of those two will bring even more tech jobs to the city, most likely, which will put further strain on transportation systems, roads, and general infrastructure, which is what a lot of people are complaining about. These subsidies that were provided to Amazon could have been provided to enhance the infrastructure of the city. Alexandra Osazio-Cortez, who is a newly elected House representative from Queens, said, Amazon is a billion-dollar company. The idea that it will receive hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks at a time when our subway system is crumbling and communities need more investment, not less, is extremely concerning to residents here. New York City Council member Jimmy Van Bramer and State Senator Michael Giannaris published a joint statement in the Yonkers Tribute criticizing the use of scarce public resources as massive corporate welfare. Van Bramer and Giannaris teamed up with local activists a few weeks ago to protest Amazon's plans. These are confusing times. What is right is wrong. What is wrong is right. Companies have to be constantly aware of the impression that they are making on the public, the government, and to their consumers. So is what Amazon did with their HQ2 process wrong? I don't think that I can say yes, because it is part of how business is being conducted today. They didn't make this game plan. They did it really well, and they created a perfect trap for any city or government that wanted to do business with them. 
But as the Danny Crichton article pointed out, the subsidies provided are not enormous compared to the scale of what projects are happening in those cities. And if these cities and governments had to grease the wheels to bring these jobs into the city, I can't disagree with that. Ultimately, they're doing the right thing for the city and for the people that live there. Having more job opportunities and options is critical for a city. It's not good to have one horse in the stable. Philadelphia just has Comcast from a technology perspective and a bunch of little firms. It's good for employees to have options. The influx of people will cause critical infrastructure issues that have to be addressed. But ultimately, that's a reinvestment in the city that will benefit the people over the long term. And maybe New York City doesn't need those jobs as much as, say, Nashville or Arlington, Virginia. But think about it. New York City is still known as a financial hub and a banking hub and a corporate headquarters hub. New York City is not necessarily known as the place to go for technology development. And it's something that they have to invest and improve upon for long-term growth and viability. Amazon executed a master play. They maximized corporate shareholder value by getting the most incentives they possibly could to bring their facilities to locations that wanted them. Over the long run, cities and governments have to do some soul-searching to determine whether or not these incentive packages is the right long-term methodology to bring these companies to cities. But you can't make Amazon the bad guy, and you can't make the cities the bad guy. This is just how business operates today. So unless some federal power goes in and interjects and makes some of these practices illegal, this is what we have to live with. And that's all we have for this week. You can find Sourcecast on iTunes, Google Music, and all of your favorite podcasting applications. Sourcecast is recorded in Bucolic, Mandalay, New Jersey, and it's produced by my dad. The outro is performed by me, Ben Lombardi, and music is provided by Patrick Lee. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.